0: Welcome back to the Gospel Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Braden Friesen. That's Ben Martins. Hello. That's Derek Friesen. Hi. And we are in the midst of a special episode. Um, normally we've gone through the Book of Romans and the Attribute Series, but today we've got a special guest with us from Redeeming Grace Bible Church in Morden, Manitoba, um, Pastor Joshua Shedder. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. We... Uh, very excited to have you along with us and uh, to get your insight on the church must gather and that would be the name of the episode uh, for today Um, so before we we get into all that discussion um, you know we'd just like to ask like what led you to Morden, and and, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah um, before I came to Morden, I've been at Redeeming Grace for three years I guess um, before that, I was in Texas pastoring a church for four years in East Texas. And prior to that, I got my Master of Divinity at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And the way I came to Morden, people usually ask, How'd you end up from Texas in Morden of all places? Well, uh, the church here, Redeeming Grace, had posted on the Gospel Coalition website that they were looking for a pastor. And so I was like, I don't know where Morden is, but give it a shot and immediately they contacted me and here i am
0: quick easy (coughs) yeah it was fast (laughs) fast. came up for the
1: interview in february and it was 30 below fahrenheit yeah
0: that's new for a guy from texas (laughs) yeah
1: so that was gave me a taste of what it would be like in the winter and i was like yeah you know just stay inside yeah (laughs) so that's what i'll do
0: you learn that pretty pretty (laughs) early in your time right on well I guess we can probably get going with some of the questions that we'll have for you and, uh, and we'd just like to kind of feed off of the, the insight that you have regarding the church's gathering and government overreach and some of these other things that um, it seems like a little bit late timing now that there is um, you know things are starting to open up and, and whatnot, but it's still a um, important topic and Derek you and I had discussed that actually on the way over here yeah
2: yeah, I mean it's it's it likely could have been done earlier, but I mean we are still under some restrictions, and it, I mean seeing going through this whole process, we have more insight on the whole situation than we would have had previously. So
0: sure, yeah. With with that, maybe we can uh, get into why why the church must gather some scriptural proofs, um, how Scripture instructs us to handle situations, including. Transmittable diseases and, and viruses like COVID 19. <coughs> For
2: start, I guess we can, uh, I'll just go to Josh. How did RGBC handle it? Like, how how did you go about handling it, you and the elders there?
1: Well, when it first started, like a lot of churches, we, you know, we heard that it was going to be millions dead and it was a, um, big problem and so we just kind of did what everyone else was doing and kind of recommending uh, shut down go online Uh, even even early on they were saying well online church is church and while we didn't agree with that um, we thought well you know for the safety of our people you know we'll shut down so i was trying to think the other day how long we were um, online only and I can't remember the exact number how how many weeks we were online only, but uh, when we were able to do the, dri- the drive-in, we went to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like everyone else, I was wrestling with it. Me and the elders were wrestling with it. What what what's the proper response? Um, mm-hmm. How how far do we trust the government and and the projections that they're saying it's going to be you know millions? And then you started hearing um, studies come out that disagreed with that, and so you. you we, as a church, have a um, conviction, have the conviction that the church must gather. That's why we're talking about today, partly. But, And so if that's our conviction, that's what we see in Scripture, then we have to weigh that, I guess, or, or weigh actually the government, what the government's telling us against that and say, well, if it's not as serious as they say it is, then there's room for us to still meet and mm-hmm. not... Um, risk the health of our people right yeah Yeah. there are there are measures that we'll talk about in a second i'm sure that we can put in place from the scriptures that will protect us from this and we can still be obedient to scripture and meet so Mm -hmm. in the in the winter we started meeting in a shop uh uh, off the grid as it were Mm -hmm. um, in person and as people found out that we were meeting we actually grew in number Mm -hmm. um, from before COVID, so that was interesting. Meanwhile, we're still wrestling with what's you know at that point we were saying if you have if you have symptoms please stay home even, even if you think it's the cold, yeah. stay home, and that's worked so <coughs> far. And we would, like I said we'll talk more about that, but that's how we've handled it. Um, and then finally we released a paper saying this is our position, and this is on this is a, another position paper on how we will handle um, making sure that COVID doesn't spread in the church. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there, there's an aspect of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that we must gather, and we we, s- we are convicted by that as a church, that, that we are to gather as, um a- and fellowship together. But at the same time, like you said, there's a personal responsibility that even, you know, if you have symptoms and stuff, you know, it is still something serious that we, mm-hmm. we should take into account. And so th- I think <coughs> there's a lot of... Um, skepticism where they say all christians are just flaunting the rules just for their own their own gain and to feel good about themselves and all that kind of stuff when we we know fully what we're called to do as as the church to gather and to to worship christ in person and to lift one another up in the gospel but that we're also supposed to be um responsible personally responsible for for our actions so Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah, and we also knew that there are people in our church who are vulnerable, as, as they were saying, if you have a, a you know, compromised system or, or, or if you're older, then you, the chances of you having a severe outcome are a lot greater. So we understood if they said, you know, we're going to quarantine, we, we uh, um, stayed away from them. Um, but at the same time, if somebody who was in that position said, no, I don't want to quarantine, I'm going to come to church, we wouldn't bar them So say, no, you can't come to church. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we understood yeah. their the reasoning of those who didn't want to come uh, if they were in a vulnerable position
0: absolutely
3: the one thing I was thinking of earlier as you said uh, um, that uh, we disagreed with, with uh, regarding RGBC we disagreed with um, the, the consensus that online church is good enough um, what, what is it about gathering in person that's different than gathering online or why is gathering online not sufficient for the body
1: well, if you if you consider online church to be church, then I think you run the risk, and um, I think most more often than not, you end up viewing church as just a um, performance that you watch. Right? So if someone's streaming a, a pastor online, they say church is just watching a guy preach mm-hmm. when it's so much more than that. Like, preaching is important, and it's one of the central things in a church service, but I got to admit, before COVID, I hadn't really thought through kind of systematically why the church should meet. I knew, you know, generally speaking, that it's commanded and you can't do the ordinances online. That's, so that's one of the big ones. But I hadn't really thought through the corporate aspect of church. So you don't just go to church to hear the pastor talk. You go to the church to hear your brothers and sisters sing praises to, to your God. You go to church to e- hear your brothers even amen their sermons. So it, it's like a... A group activity even listening to the sermon mm-hmm. it's not just I'm listening to what the preacher says and applying it to my heart based on conviction of the spirit from the word that's true but it's also listening in community and talking about the sermon in community and learning to apply it in community and that all happens in the service and we may not say overt evidence of that like I may see you at the service then and I may not even talk to you but I see you worship and I see you love on somebody, and I see you encourage somebody, and I don't even talk to you, but I see you from a distance, and I'm encouraged, and I'm challenged. Mm-hmm. I see your fervor for the Lord. I'm like, man, Ben's on fire. Like at least from what I can tell, and so that convicts me and encourages me, even though I didn't say say a word to you, and you didn't say a word to me, you know. so that's important. I think we see that in Scripture where uh, uh, the Christian life is necessarily. Um, spurred and and um, driven in community by the Spirit. Like, we need each other, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you say online church is good enough, then you're saying, I don't need my brothers and sisters in my walk with Christ. On some level, you're saying that. Yeah. And I, don't, I think that's not true, and it's unbiblical.
0: Yeah, this... Um, I guess with with everything going on, like there's a lot of Christians and professing Christians that and we talked about already. See, like, as you said, Ben, that, that why is, why do we have to meet in person if we can just watch it online and, and they'll have their arguments such as, as loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And they almost put that as the number one commandment mm-hmm. when, when we know in fact that is not the first and greatest commandment. Uh, what are your thoughts on the love your neighbor argument that they have that <coughs> excuse me that it's that it's not loving to gather it's not loving to your neighbor to gather um, and how they leave out um, the first and greatest commandment it's just to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength
1: right well I think the like you said they leave out the first commandment and you can't really love your neighbor if you leave out the first commandment um, mm-hmm. because you'll end up you'll end up thinking you're loving your neighbor but you're loving yourself you're loving the the feeling that you get or whatever by serving your neighbor but the thing that bothers me about that um, argument is that they're redefining love there so they're saying that love is as defined by I guess those who make that argument or the world in this case maybe that that loving your neighbor is protecting their health primarily or solely Mm -hmm. when from scriptures we see that the greatest need that people have is the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth of the scriptures. And so in fact not you're actually not loving your neighbor in denying them church and denying the preaching of the gospel, right? So your neighbor who doesn't know Christ, you're 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 quarantining yourself, you're separating yourself from them, saying, "Oh, this is for their for the, for their benefit." Well, actually no. Like, you're still taking precautions. I think that's mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but calling them to repent and believe the gospel is is loving them more. You yeah. know, I think of a, of a doctor who finds cancer in somebody, and he doesn't want to tell the patient, I found this cancer because it might hurt their feelings. Right? No, like, you have to tell them that hard thing <laughs> so they can get them on treatment so they can be well. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's the same. People are spiritually um sick and dead, really dead mm-hmm. and we're calling them to the only hope. And at the same time I would say during this whole process people have been depressed and isolated and lonely and all these things. And we as the church have the true hope. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and we're saying, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna bring people to church where they can feel um the ch- or see the truth and feel the love of people who have been changed by God. In fact that's a testimony we've heard of people who come to our church and they say okay it's it's more normal here people are I can look at people and see their face and you know I can um hug somebody if I want to you know things like that and yeah. you're missing you're not really loving people if you miss that you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's ultimately the conclusion I've come to as well um do you have anything Derek or we, oh i you can continue on <laughs> you can continue on yeah <laughs>
1: I will say, though, that uh, uh, to give a little caveat, I know that there are people who, and maybe I'll have it somewhere but uh, in the notes, but uh, people who their conscience, they, they, they have a hard time violating Romans 13, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so I think we have to be careful here to say that, that it's understandable that some Christians will come to that conclusion, but we disagree with them, right? Mm-hmm, that right. we lovingly disagree with them. And what we're doing now, I'm assuming y'all, this is your motivation as well, is making a case why we disagree with them and yeah. showing them from Scripture. Not yeah. saying that you're heretics or you're not Christians. Mm-hmm. Just, we believe that the, that the Scriptures are clear the church must gather and that that, that scriptural um, truth um, over overrides the obey the government at all costs. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, every reason, which yeah. that's clearly I not guess ultimately
0: case. that was going to be my next question. Okay. Um, it, you know, because it is clear. The argument is... Sorry, it is clear in the Bible that the God or that God has put all earthly governments in its place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to what extent are Christians to follow the laws made by made by man or earthly governments? And and I guess that would be a, a little bit more of a deep dive into Romans thirteen because most people stop after verse two when they when they pose that argument that mm-hmm. we are supposed to follow. And it, it's almost as if a um, kind of a blanket statement to just follow the government almost wherever. yeah, And so, w- to what extent are we supposed to follow the government?
1: Actually, would one of y'all, you have the Bible there, read that passage?
0: Absolutely. So, ev- Romans 13, 1, every person is to be sub- in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, An avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due to them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor.
1: Yeah, so... The question I would have with someone who looks at Romans 13 as a kind of blanket, uh, you know, one-size-fits-all approach, we, we have to follow the government always because it says always follow the government because God has put it in place. The question I would have is, what if the government becomes no longer an agent of good, but an agent of evil? Yeah. God has clear, this passage clearly says that God has ordained government as a, as a minister <coughs> for good. And it wields the sword to um, punish evil and promote the good. So if the if the government actively becomes an agent of evil, then since it is ordained by God, then we are, have a higher authority that we obey, the one who ordained it, and we follow his definition of good. We don't follow the government's definition of good. Mm-hmm. We follow his definition of good. So if they say uh, it is legal and... Um, even in some cases, encouraged to kill a pre-born baby. Should we say, well, that's that's what they say is good? No, we should say no, we should fight that and yeah. say that is wrong, that is an evil, and for the government not to punish that evil is wrong, and so we must oppose that. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely, yep. Now, of course, we don't want, want to break other laws by burning down abortion clinics or anything like that, but we can say this law is wrong, mm-hmm. and we will fight it, and If it means that I, as a doctor, um, lose my license because I won't encourage someone to have abortion or something like that, then I'll lose my license. We'll pay the penalty because we will resist this law. And I think the same with church. If they outlaw church, then we can say, no, God has commanded us to go to church. It is clear in Scripture that church is the normative practice and -hmm. and that the commands of Scripture are meant to be obeyed in church, Mm -hmm. uh, then we have a higher law.
2: And in light, I guess, in light of this, uh, the church gathering and stuff, I have heard it said, you know, when someone has refuted this argument using uh, Romans thirteen, you know, someone someone brings up, you know, Romans thirteen is why you can't or shouldn't be going to church and stuff like that. And someone, obviously, like Braden said, they use verses one and two, but then some I've seen some some bring up the rest of the passage, rightfully so, mm-hmm. and then the, the comment or the it says it states there you know that rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad would you have no fear then do what is good uh, then the guy the people bring up the argument okay so is church going to church according to God's commandments good or not good right and if, if it's good then that just proves that the government should is, you know you should not be right yeah, they're yeah it just refutes you that
1: you should have no fear because you're doing good right yeah, yeah. so not to mention that the, the government doesn't know what church is. That's true, yeah. And so you hear even from the government and you hear from people who have gone online, they're like, just go online. Like, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the problem? And it's like, how do you explain to the government who, um, maybe they go to church, maybe they don't, but they don't have an understanding that in-person church is scriptural and a gift and a command, like all yeah. these <laughs> things. And so they think, well, it's just a performance. Mm-hmm. You can watch a performance online. Yeah. Um, so again, they're working with a different definition than we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, First Timothy uh, four thirteen says, "Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, exhortation, and teaching." Mm-hmm. So it is commanded of us to to emphasize the preaching and the the gathering together.
1: Yep.
2: And on the line of what uh, Josh was saying, um, I've heard uh, or I've seen the statement either put out by government or put out by police officers or whatever, where it's like, we understand your desire to go to religious gatherings or whatever, however they word it. But, you know, we know that everyone is suffering from lockdown fatigue. And so it seems that the way they understand people wanting to go to church and wanting to gather is is because they're sick and tired of lockdowns. (laughs) Not because they're being obedient to Christ, because Christ is the head of the church, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and and so that yeah that emphasizes that that they don't really understand yeah.
3: And so yeah. The one thing I thought about as well, uh, and maybe you could comment on this. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, uh, when when Apostle Paul, when he wrote the epistles to the different churches, these wonderful pastoral epistles that were since canonized, right? Um, he could have just left it at that. And said, "Hey, I gave you guys these letters. That's all you need." But obviously, we know that's not true. He he visited these churches in person, and in in uh, in Romans, he he wrote how he uh, eagerly desired to visit the church in Rome. Um, and so it wasn't just that. Oh, okay, this letter, which I, I think we could equate to an online for for the day service, um, which which you know one of the best services you could have. Is, you know, uh, Paul is preaching to to these churches, um, but that. Even for him, that obviously wasn't enough. He wanted to go visit the church that he was writing to, and I think we can draw a correlation to today, where you know, just you know, hearing someone preach is not enough. It's about, like you said, about meeting together and, and being. Uh, it's our church family, and so we can exhort each other and encourage, and um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, which you can't really you can't do in, in a letter or online.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think one of the issues, uh, me being from the states, I can speak more to that. But uh, I, it seems, in my three years here, I see a little bit here too, or a lot of it here, and that is um, the, a strong sense of individualism in the church. So, really, all I need is Jesus, the Bible, and my closet. Which it, it's sneaky because that's true in some sense. That we're not we're not saved. Um, we don't. We're not called into the kingdom. We're not converted as a group, as it were. We're individually regenerated and converted. That's mm-hmm. true, and our relationship with Christ is personal in that sense. But as you just mentioned in the scriptures, it, it's it's Paul talking to a group of people who are walking together, and we 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 not only do a disservice to ourselves when we focus on the individual. You know, um, kind of a Jesus calling thing. You know that book where it's just me and Jesus having a a love chat, you know, Mm. uh, rather than understanding that God has instituted the local body of believers to serve us and for us to serve them in our walk with Christ. So that that includes rebuke, correction, admonishment, things like that, Mm -hmm. that you may feel like you're pretty good at at, um, the Christian walk, but most of us will have a hard time of rebuking ourselves in the closet. the scriptures may rebuke us, but there are things that we don't see, right? And so we need our brothers and sisters to say, "Watch yourself," right? With love, and but also encouragement edification and growth is meant to be done together. And I think the American, in, in some ways, the American viewpoint is, "All I need is uh, me and Jesus." Well, he has given you the body, right? Um, and I think we see, a good example we see is in church discipline. Someone's having a sin issue, and and they they sin against someone else. Instead of just being those two people that it stays with, it goes all the way to the end of the whole church. Well, what do they have to do with it? Well, the spirit is within all of them, and God has given the church to them to help them work through this issue, right? And it's a great gift.
0: That actually nicely leads up to my next <laughs> next, next point. <laughs> Because th- there's also this idea of, or, or um, misquoted um, Matthew 18, where um, it talks about where two or three are gathered in my name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, Jesus is there, and so, um, you know, we don't need this large church gathering. We don't need the whole church to gather at once. Like, if we have two, two people in a, um, in a house, that's completely fine, mm-hmm. um, but... The things we need, like you said, are church discipline mm-hmm. A- and and having that rebuke and having that exhortation and admonishment when when we sin, and, and that's why we need the brethren. Um, this passage, from my understanding, what I've read, is in, in reference to church discipline, yeah. not um, not the gathering of the church. You know, two or three gathered—that's good enough for mm. cons- to be considered church. Um, am I correct on that, or am I?
1: Yeah, I, I, that's the context. Um, you know, if you bind something on earth, have you bound in heaven, or will have been bound in heaven? And that's uh, and then a, a, like a verse above that, it says uh, two or three witnesses. Um, so it seems to be that the two or more are gathered is a reference to that verse about the two witnesses. Yeah. Um, But I will say that we have to be careful here because I think in one sense it is true that we're two or more gathered at a Bible study. Jesus is in their Mm -hmm. midst, Uh, if anything, by the Spirit, right? If they're believers, then he's there in the Spirit. But I think, uh, to to your point, um, people misapply that passage to say, um, I don't need to go to church, or I don't need to go to an established church. This is a whole other topic, I guess, but someone who has been burned by the church or something, and they say, I don't need to go to an established church, a, a denomination, a religion. I'm spiritual, and I'm at home with my two friends, and Jesus is there in the midst. That's my church. Well, again, the, there are issues there, but clearly in the New Testament, that's not, that's not the norm. Yeah, uh, You have uh, leadership. You have elders. You have deacons. Those are offices. Uh, you have the ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism. And I guess you can try to do those ordinances at home with your two friends. But what's dangerous about that is that you can easily form kind of a cultish mindset where we have our three or four doctrines that we focus on. And because he likes that doctrine, he likes that doctrine, and I like this doctrine, those are our three doctrines, and we focus on those, you don't have the accountability of the greater body. And, of course, local um, established churches can get into that too as well but they have things that guard against that like um, biblically qualified leadership right? Um, membership processes um, and so while it's true that Christ is there in the, in the midst of people who are gathering together in his name I think that's true I think that doesn't apply I think you're misapplying it if you're saying that's all you need instead of church because clearly through the New Testament you need church so he would be contradicting himself in the scriptures in that way
2: And I guess we see even in the Old Testament when God is defining worship for Israel um, he talks about you know on the seventh day there's a holy convocation And, Mm -hmm. and just you know breaking down that word alone convocation is a large formal gathering or you know in used in another term the action of calling people together for a large formal assembly right and Ultimately, it's God who defines worship of Himself. It's not not us who defines worship, but Him. So, right. um, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to have a specific large number. Right. But that the church, even the word church, is refer- in reference to yeah. an assembly, yeah. right? Called
1: out so assembly. Yeah.
0: There's one st- statistic that we talked about. Um, I think in one of our earliest or er, first episodes. We were looking through. Uh, was it Ligonier's? Oh yeah, state um, of state of
2: uh, theology, s- state or or of
0: theology or whatever it was. Survey. And there's a there's a s- statistic they have on there. I'll just read it here. It says 46. percent um, This is surveying in the United States. It says 46% agree that worshiping alone or with family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. It's mm-hmm. a shockingly high number. Um, and i i guess you know of those 46% of people um likelihood this kind of weeded out their desire to stay home or just be with um you know two or three as we talked about yeah. instead of being with the whole church as this as this whole covid thing you know has taken its toll on on earth over the last year and a
2: half i mean we've definitely heard the argument that we live in a different society than when the bible was written Mm -hmm. and so you know gathering can therefore mean you know social media or um zoom or whatever that may be but that doesn't really make sense to me
1: yeah i i think another danger that that would be um, in just meeting with your family or your friends is and my mom talks about this i think she's right Um, you need the weirdos at church, right? You need the weirdos. You need the people that you don't really understand them or they make you uncomfortable or they're kind of off, you know, like the the people that you think are strange. Because if you surround yourself with people that are like you and um, then you feel like you're just on fire for God because all the Christians you know who at, at your gathering, which are three or four, you all just get along so well. Well, what if you come up against someone who's from a whole completely different background, completely different culture, and you have a hard time relating with them or understanding them? Does that mean you just run away from them? No, the scriptures are clear. You, you show honor to them, you love them, mm-hmm. and you focus on what you have in common, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is one of the most God-glorifying things we see in the New Testament, where people from different backgrounds, from, who are com- with completely different personalities, People come and see them loving on each other and praising God together, and they say, Where else does this happen? That these people from different backgrounds are in concert with one another, and we can say, I'll tell you what, how it happened, the gospel. That's the only thing that does this.
0: Would you say that there is a concern if, if you look at, at those who just believe in, in gathering in you know, two, three, or four um, you know, small, really small groups instead of the, the church as a whole? Um, is there a concern that there can potentially be this um yes man attitude that yeah. whatever because you know them so well you know and they don 't want to either you know ruin their relationship or whatever it is where they won 't stand up and say no you 're wrong here where you where you just um uh, kind of all are in agreement with things that you agree on and don 't even talk about the things you disagree on, mm-hmm. and that 's why I think we need. The whole body to yep. continue to um grow us in an understanding of of scripture and, and who god is and what the church is
1: yeah and like i said i, I think that could also happen in a in a you know established mm-hmm. church uh that's a danger always um but i think it's more it's more prone to happen in a just you know small group of a dude and his friends right mm-hmm. um you have things that are built in to protect, to help keep you from that, right? And in the, I think the New Testament is a picture of a church is beautifully designed. Of course, God designed it mm-hmm. to help prevent that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I guess another argument that we I've heard, and I guess even when, uh, I guess, Pastor Tim in Calgary was arrested mm-hmm. the second time, uh, the the police officer used it and it's that render under c unto caesar what is caesar's mm-hmm. and i think the biggest problem that we f- face when people are using that as a defense is uh who they see the church belonging to yeah um because ultimately the church does not belong to the government does not belong uh to caesar but christ is the head of the church
1: yeah yeah exactly it's the question I would respond is what is Caesars, right? Mm -hmm. Um, is the church Caesars, you know, if so, then, um, you're going to end up like China, which they have a state church. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not really a state church. They, they, they allow a, what they call a Christian church to exist, but it's basically a front, you know, for the government's version of what they think church should be. So Mm -hmm. the pictures of Mao hanging on the wall and, um, Reciting communist creeds and things like Mm -hmm. that. That's not church Um, So there you're faced with the the decision should I go to one of these state-sponsored churches that they don't they're not going to tear down the building and we can Ostensibly have meetings or do I go to this underground church that focuses on the true gospel of Jesus Christ and reads the scriptures and Doesn't interpret the scriptures by what the government tells them to do Mm -hmm. while running the risk of going to prison Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna. Th- th- a lot of you know millions of Chinese are saying I'm gonna go to the underground church and follow God the way He is revealed to follow Him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in Christ and the true gospel, and not sacrifice that for safety and security. Right? Yeah. We're not at that level, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a little bit of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. To say this is not persecution has kind of been something that I've been hearing, but by definition, it, it is because of. You know, we we do look at this uh, at Pastor James Coates and and Pastor Tim Stevens, and um, the one thing I think we can be appreciative of is that they have um, so graciously accepted this as um, a, as a blessing to suffer for mm-hmm. for the name of Christ, and I think it's something. There's there's some there's some some other pastors that have got. Arrested and we'll, we'll call the police like Nazis and Lar- yeah, mm-hmm. there's been others with large amount of fines and, and yeah. stuff like that too. Um, but basing. but then there's ones that well you know call call you know if those officials that are arresting them names mm-hmm. and and dragging them through the mud and it's like you know we're called to even in the midst of suffering to glorify Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems it seems that it would be very selfish of us to to look at that suffering and um, only think of ourselves and, and what's happening to us rather than think of how this is going to glorify Christ if we um, do it for his glory
2: well we touched touched on it earlier I just want to want to kind of jump back to it but how does you know how does the Bible instruct us on how to handle situations that include you know, transmittable diseases, or I guess in the Bible, it often referred to as leprosy, or referred to leprosy, especially. But
1: Yeah, so our church uh, released a, a document. Um, it's not on our website, but uh, we send it to the members um, talking about that, and a lot of that can be pulled from Leviticus 13 and 14, where it talks about uh, if there's someone who's suspected of having leprosy, then the priest is to examine him, and, um, and then he's to be quarantined for seven days, and if the disease has progressed, then he's unclean, right? So he's he's a leper. But if it hasn't progressed, then he's quarantined for another seven days, and then he's if it's progressed, he's a leper. If it hasn't progressed, he's declared clean. So the the point there being that the sick are the ones that quarant- are quarantined, mm-hmm. not the healthy. Yeah. Um, so the the healthy are able to go on about their lives, and you know make money or you know get food for their families and things like that take care of their families and the sick are quarantined and in that same uh, chapter 13 Leviticus thirteen fourteen it talks about those who have been exposed to the disease or those who have possibly um, uh, who have been possibly exposed so it even handles that category of you know you've been around a leper someone who has this disease or you have been around someone who possibly has mm-hmm. leprosy, something like that. So then um, the, the priest quarantines them as well and sees if they uh, get the disease. He shuts them up. He quarantines them for seven days and then examines him. Then there's also, in the same chapter, chapter 14, there's a leprous disease in a house, which is maybe mold or something. But uh, they quarantine that house uh, to see if it progresses. And that shows it is a case of leper's disease. And then they say that that, that house needs to be torn down. right? So you, you, you quarantine the sick, or you quarantine those who have possibly been exposed to the disease. You do not quarantine those who have no contact or have no mm-hmm. symptoms. And I think that's where this um, approach to the government has been wrong, is, is let's quarantine the entire population. Um, And, of course, there can be debate about that on asymptomatic, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, And there's studies that show that asymptomatic was a lot lower than people thought, um, Mm -hmm. the chances of that. And then I think also, um, scripturally, we see uh, we must protect the vulnerable. So throughout Old Testament, especially, and into the New Testament, but um, you see the widows and the orphans and the sojourners. So that these vulnerable people in the population, you take special care with them and provide for them, and I think we can uh, apply that to the COVID situation and say, let's take care around them if they are quarantining because let's say they're fighting cancer or something. I, I don't think it'd be right for us to put pressure on them. Why aren't you at church? Mm-hmm. You know? Why are you wearing a mask? You scared? You know, I, I think that you know, taking care with them and uh, loving them um, while at the same time, as I said, if somebody uh, wanted to come to church in that category and they understood the risks, come on right yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that kind of leads back to that personal responsibility thing yeah <coughs> of of knowing knowing the risks but also knowing um what we're called to do um where were we in our notes here because i think i've kind of <laughs> been bouncing around um well
2: i think we covered most of it and i think we are about to discussing, you know, some of the past and current events that have, or current situation, okay, in this whole lockdown. Um, obviously, like we said at the beginning, we, <laughs> it's an interesting time for this, but it's good to look back at it. Um, we're kind of in the point now where things are starting to open up. We have a couple provinces that have completely opened up, and um, we're very glad about that. Um, we had a pastor in jail until. July 1st but then the province opened up so then now they have nothing to that they can hold him for right so then they yeah. um, but I guess just some of these things that um, have been occurring obviously um, we discussed a bit about you know there's pastors in well there's pastors in Ontario there's certain churches that are facing up to millions of dollars of fines if they get the max charge um, and then there's Ones like Alberta, where there's been at least three pastors arrested uh, for various points of times. I think uh, first was James Coates, who I think was uh, held in maximum security remand center for 35 days or something like that. That yeah, was just over a month. Yeah. And then I think there was uh, Art Pawlowski. Um, and then most recently there was Tim Stevens. Twice, actually, because the first one didn't stick because they had sent or had kind of presented the thing to the wrong person, first of all. Um, But I guess there's an argument made against um, these pastors and I just like some input on. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of people who view these pastors as like wanting their 15 minutes of fame or, you know, doing this selfishly and you know, misleading the flock, doing it from the flesh and stuff like that. Uh, what do we say to those who argue that these men were not properly shepherding the flock that God has placed in their care or their, or shepherding their families because they were locked in prison? Like, how can they, you know, how can they shepherd the flock if they're locked away type of thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to note that it is possible, uh, I guess, for... Um, well, not, I guess. It is possible for a pa- one of these pastors or any pastor to want the 15 minutes of fame, hey, look, I'm in the news, and that would be wrong, Like mm-hmm. that they're not shepherding their flock in that sense. Um, but if they're saying, I'm going to be um, faithful in obedience to the scriptures, and I'm going to keep my church open because I see that that's what God commands, and it's what he wills, but it's also necessary, as we talked about, for Christian growth. My people need this. It's not a luxury. I think it's one of the big things that people look at church and they say, Was a luxury, it's a nice thing, but it's not essential, it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, no, it's not just a nice thing. It is, but it is vital, it is necessary, it is essential. We have to have it like food, right? Mm -hmm. Like water. And so if the pastor is saying, I'm going to keep my church open because I want to be obedient, I want to be faithful, and he goes to prison because of that, I would say he is more faithful in shepherding his flock than someone who says... I'm going to close up shop um, in obedience to the government or to protect my people's health. I think he's being more faithful because he is keeping them in touch with the scripturally ordained means of sanctification mm-hmm. right through the church, through the body. he's connecting them to hope the whole mm-hmm. time the gospel and so if a, if a pastor arrested, I think he's more faithful in fact um. And again, he could do it for moral reasons, but I think if he's doing it for biblical reasons and he's sticking to his convictions, he's a more faithful pastor to his church. Mm -hmm. Now, to his family, I think he is also in that case, too, because what he is telling his kids and his wife is, this is real. This is worth suffering for. And you can say, well, they're not really suffering. It's, you know... (laughs) It's like a, uh, compared to third world countries, prison here is not that bad, but you know, mm-hmm. he, is, he is he is confined, right, yeah. <laughs> Church is worth suffering for, right? And what a powerful example for his kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was telling me that Tim Stevens' wife actually responded to that charge mm-hmm. on Twitter or Instagram or something where she yeah, said, yeah. Um, this is really good for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. To see this, your mm-hmm. dad Values church so much and his conviction is such that he will suffer for it. And Mm -hmm. that is a powerful thing Mm -hmm. And I will say this too um, There are some who said um, And maybe we're gonna you all gonna bring this up later, but there's some who said that this isn't a gospel issue Mm -hmm. so We should go to we should go to prison we should suffer for gospel for you know gospel issue like if they if they prevent us from preaching Jesus then we'll go to prison. My question is, there's a number of issues in Scripture that you're going to ignore, that you're going to wait until they say, no, you can't preach Jesus before you go to prison. They're like There are a number of things in Scripture that if you cave on, then you're essentially are denying the gospel. Like, What if the government, and this is a plausible thing, especially with some of these bills that they're talking about, what if the government said, you cannot preach against homosexuality is that a gospel issue absolutely yeah absolutely. because it's sin yeah. mm-hmm. and the gospel is the only solution to sin and sin is an offense against the holy god and so it's not that we're fixated on homosexuality but it is growing in our culture and if you come across you know it, you're preaching through a book and you come across it in that book you preach it and if the government says if you preach against homosexuality you're going to prison will they go Right, so, and someone would say yes i'll I'll go for that, but not church, okay, now you're saying that church isn't as important, right, so are we putting church on the same level? are we putting in the in the same category as something to die for, something to hold on to? Mm. Well, I you, think we should
0: well, you think you know Christ died for the church, yep, it is a gospel issue, yep one hundred percent so I, I yeah I, I see your point and I, I would agree with it 100 percent. that it, it would be a gospel issue that we should yeah we can't just pick and choose the things that we're going to um stand strong on in scripture if scripture all of scripture is pointing towards christ and christ says something's a sin if 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 god's word says that we are to gather together then yes we should stand and and you mm-hmm. know die on that hill you know what i mean like like that should be a hill we die on is to if if we are the bride of christ then yes we should stand and and fight and die on that hill
1: yeah
0: well something great that came out of this whole lockdown stuff
2: uh, at least for me and i know i'm sure probably for each of you is it uh, i think joshua mentioned it earlier is it, it m- helped us to examine what we were willing to stand for yeah. what we were willing you know what hills we were willing to die on and it helped us to um I know it it was grown in me there was some sanctification there where it's just like okay is this is this one of those things like if I'm not willing to stand for this where you know when it's potentially a fine or something like financial then how am I going to stand when it's when it's going to cost me more when it's going to cost me something greater and
3: uh, I'm (laughs) I'm greatly thankful for that but um. Yeah, for for me, the um, when this all, when this stuff all started coming out, um, my one of my first defenses or my first thoughts was, well, as long as it's not a gospel-related issue, then it shouldn't be a big deal. Like you know, if the government wants me to to wear plaid on Tuesdays, then I'll wear a plaid on Tuesdays, kind of thing, um, w- without giving it a whole lot of thought. And like you said, I mean, when it, when it comes to to different doctrines and beliefs and, and stated in scripture, like we can't. How how do we dice it up and say, well, this one, we'll defend and this one we won't, like, you know, uh, it's all the gospel. And, and at that point, for me, it was like, oh, you know, as long as they're not proclaiming against Jesus, I'll be fine. And it, 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 just, it when you think about it, when I, th- I thought about it, well, it doesn't really make sense. Like It's kind of like saying, oh, government, you can have my hands and you can have my feet, you can cut those off, but you can't stab my heart. Mm-hmm. You can have all my limbs, but you can't. And that just doesn't make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we realistically, I mean, we we want to resist in love, um, but we can't we can't uh, back down on on any of the doctrines because they they all go together.
1: Yeah, and, and I will say this that I can kind of understand if the church that you go to is more about performance, and you think, well, you know, it's not a gospel issue because at church they're not really talking about the gospel, right? It's, it's more of a gospel issue if the church that you're going to is a biblical church in that they're preaching the gospel, um, they're calling people to repentance, they're spurring one another toward love and good deeds in community. If your church is just a show, mm-hmm. then it's easy to give up, mm-hmm. right? Oh, just hit pause on this movie, and then after COVID we'll hit start again, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go to a church that says that we're going to take the Bible seriously... And I'm not saying that people, and uh, let me be careful here, I'm not saying that those churches who closed, none of them take the Bible seriously. I'm not saying that at all. Um, th- I have some friends who had kind of a split leadership in their church and a split church who had come down on different sides of this issue. And thankfully, Redeeming Grace didn't have a big split. Right? We had some people who had different opinions, but it wasn't a big acrimonious you know, fight. Um, and there was room for differences of conscience. Mm-hmm. Well, in some churches... It turned into a thing, and so, you know, to preserve, you know, unity and to let's, let's, they had to take their time and pastor through that. You don't want to just say, well, you don't agree with me. Get out, right, um, th- with patience and love. Teach. Well, the church is important, and so we're going to keep it open, or we really would like to keep it open, and so here's here's why it's important, and we'd love for you to come, and, and your hope is not in a mask. It's in, <laughs> in a sovereign God, right? Things like that. Yeah um but all uh, all that to say like if if your church is not uh rooted and grounded in the word before covid then it's easier to forego Mm. it Mm -hmm. right and so um that may lead into one of your questions later on so i'll wait on that but
0: (laughs) (laughs) actually uh, i was just gonna jump into that question okay i think we can (laughs)
1: yeah um (laughs) Do
0: you think that that God is using this this time and, and you said that there are some churches that <coughs> have had a little bit more um, large of a split in terms mm. of, of um, still gathering or, or putting it on hold and, and then redeeming grace obviously has had if, if any type of split's been extremely minimal mm-hmm. compared to you know many other churches. do you think that God might be using this? this time this this trial of COVID-19 and and everything that comes with it is a time of sifting and purifying his church
1: yeah I think so I I think if um, which is good I mean it's painful but it's good I I think if you view online church as church then my question is why would you go back Mm. Um, and yes you can say well it's better like online church is church but in-person church is better. Okay. Um, the difficulty there is what if someone says something you don't like? Maybe, not that it's unbiblical, but they say something you don't like or the pastor steps on your toes a little bit during the sermon. Uh, oh, this is easy. I'll just go home and watch MacArthur. Right? I'm done. Yeah. Right? There's not that... Um, covenant that comes in church membership there's not that agreement to walk together it's not kind of like in a marriage it's not I, I i love you and i and i commit to you as long as you make me feel good and then i'm if, if you stop that i'm out like that's not really a good marriage commitment so when you commit in a church it may not be for life you know you may move and different things but it's not a commitment that you say i'll commit to you as long as i'm comfortable right and so mm-hmm. i think online this, this uh, saying online church is church has kind of exposed that, um, and I think it's really kind of solidified or, or shown that that the local church is vital and necessary, and the churches that some of them who have said, "Nah, the, the, the local church isn't vital and necessary, they may shrivel up and die, which would be a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um like I'm, like I'm not saying that th- that all churches who shut down or went online don't think the local church is necessary. I'm not saying that at all. But those who say, you know what, we'll just stay online, we don't even come back in person.
0: Yeah,
1: it's better for them to not exist.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess th- those ones definitely have, I guess, a low ecclesiology, right? Like yeah, a, yeah. I guess to define that word for my mom's sake, uh, <laughs> that that's the, <laughs> the the theology or study of the church, its nature and structure, but. Um, we, we see that a lot with those, ch- with not, like you said, not every church that shut down, but those ones that aren't going to, mm-hmm. you know, come back or those ones that are, you know, this is enough for us or putting on a performance. They have a very low view of the church right. and that is a big cause in this. And I guess that comes from a low view of Christ at times as well. God.
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that online stuff is bad, you know, right. like we have our YouTube videos online of our services. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. They're not meant to replace the church. That's right. the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, the church is um, foundational to Christianity, right? Because mm-hmm. Christ is the head of the church, and he he bought it with his blood. And you know, he,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Technology, in in a big way, is a, a quite a, quite a great blessing. It can be a, a curse as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, it yeah. I think I think when I was discussing this on. Uh, I guess it was on Facebook, so it wasn't necessarily the best platform for it with someone, but uh, we, we were discuss- uh, kind of going back and forth about this. And, and my point was, right, you know, th- uh, technology is great and it has, you know, helped with the spread of the gospel. It has helped with, um, you know, reaching different people that wouldn't have heard it before, but it doesn't replace yeah. the church, like you said.
1: Yeah.
0: Should we get right to that uh pastor joining the whole vaccine deal uh
2: yeah i guess we could we can talk about that (laughs) because that's something that um, came up recently i'll just play this clip first um for those who haven't heard it it i mean it's on facebook uh you can you can see it for yourself um you won't see it over the podcast so sorry about that but um this is i'll just play it and then i'll
0: We've missed hearing your voices raised in song together. But in order to fill these seats, we need you to take this seat. Book your COVID vaccination at protectmb.ca.
2: And so that, that was uh, a pastor from Steinbeck, um, kind of joining in this push for vaccinations. And um, I guess it, it kind of almost sounds kind of threatening where it's like you, you you can't get back to church if you don't get a vaccination type of thing. And so I guess the question comes up when it comes to vaccines or public health mandates and things like that, what exactly is a pastor's role in leading the flock h- that he's been given in regards to these topics, I guess?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. I mean, I, I don't want to say a br- like a broad blanket statement that the pastor should never address a public health issue, Mm -hmm. right? So an obvious example would be if there's a, let's say we're in church and there's a wildfire approaching the building and the town and I'm in the middle of my sermon. I don't want to be like, you know what? No, I need to finish my sermon. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) there would be charred corpses by the end of the sermon, right? Including mine. So (laughs) we don't want to go so far that we're like, no, he he should never address a public health issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the tricky thing the tough thing is that the pastor is not a doctor is not he's not called to be and i I think this is kind of a maybe a more modern thing i don't know you read about it some in the past too but it seems to be a bigger deal now that the pastor is to be a community leader Mm. right he's supposed to um make an be an example not only to his flock, but to the community, because he has sway over, let's say if you have a big church, you know, 1,000 people. He has sway over a 1,000 people, so he needs to be a good example because as he influences this church, he influences the community at large. The trouble there is that that's not scriptural. I mean, I think that there's. it's clear that we are to be good examples in front of the world of good works, Mm -hmm. but the pastor shouldn't spend his day thinking, what will the community think of me? How will they see our church, right? Now he can think that. in how they see our church, as far as are we showing the gospel, are we are we being um, loving and things like that? That's fine. But the pastor's job, I think, is to focus on the gospel, and on the growth of his people, the spiritual health of his people. So when he starts getting into the health, like physical health, and and focusing on. Um, government mandates and things like that I even try to avoid mentioning in my sermons I didn't want to preach against the restrictions right I thought they were wrong and we were clearly meeting despite the restrictions mm-hmm. but I don't want to make every sermon about how the government's restrictions you know mm-hmm. my my job is to talk about the Bible is to to exposit the word mm-hmm. yeah. and so this this example here I think is dangerous because he's saying almost like his his position as a pastor, and shepherding his flock includes kind of this community um, spokesperson for the government, and I think that's dangerous. Hmm. He's not giving him any context. He's not. He's not saying. He's not giving scripture. Mm-hmm. He might would say love your neighbor, things like that. Um, but then that's you can have a Bible study and talk about what that means, right? Like so,
0: I find it's almost as if it's holding hostage. Um, The preaching and teaching of the word. You're not going to have this. um, You're not going to have the community of the church. You're not going to have fellowship unless you do this. And it's almost holding hostage. And that's I. I I can't see through Scripture that being a role of of those who are called to preach. Right. Um, I I don't understand how one draws that conclusion. But um, to hold hostage, you, you know. I would assume he he would proclaim that the gospel is good news it, as as that's what it means. It is good news. But how can you withhold that for the sake of the government's mm-hmm. mandate? Like, I, I can't see how you can say I'm going to withhold my care for my, my flock that I'm called to shepherd over until they get the vaccine. Yeah.
1: yeah and he's, he's saying essentially, it seems to me he's saying the reason you're not in church or the reason you can't go to church is your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You haven't got the vaccine. If you've gotten the vaccine, and I guess many more people, because then the restrictions will be lifted, blah, blah, blah. then you can be in church. Well, scripturally speaking, that's no barrier. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. are you in need of the gospel? Yes, we all are. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, are you in need of church for growth? Yes. There you go.
0: That's
2: it.
1: Everyone come. Mm -hmm. Not just those who have the vaccine, everyone.
2: I think I'll just plug a... A blog post that Riley Taves from mm-hmm. Grace Covenant Church did recently r- in regards to this, about how pastors should not be restricting those who come to church based on the vacci- vaccine, right? right. Um, if you want to find that, you can find that online. I don't, I don't have the exact one. Maybe I'll link it when I post it on Facebook or something. But um, that, that was just something that came to mind. It was a really good, yeah, yeah. post on that.
3: No, I just uh, uh, move the mic. Uh, just to uh, to just kind of juxtapose that against the opposite opinion. There's uh, some of the things I've heard um, about the vaccine is that it's you know it, it's from the devil. It's the number mm-hmm. of the beast. It's the sign of the end times. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't see it that way. I can't prove, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't see it that way. Um, do you have any response to that?
1: Yeah, if you look at the passage, uh, I believe that's Revelation 14 or 15. I was reading it earlier. It's pretty clear that the Mark of the Beast is a mark of loyalty uh, to the beast. And so he makes a distinction. It says, uh, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God. So you see anyone who worships the beast and receives a mark on his head. I think those go together. And it says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever. So the person who has the mark of the beast will drink of the cup of God's anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. They have no rest day and night. Uh, Those who worship the beast and his image and who receives the mark of his name. And then the next verse it says, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So there's a distinction between those who receive the mark and the saints. There's a separation there. So I don't think that a saint, a Christian, can accidentally get the mark. I think the mark is going to be a clear sign of loyalty. Um, or, at the very least, there will be an understanding that you have to at least give lip service to the beast in order to buy and sell. And the Christian will not be able to do that. Right? No. Um so i don't think there's any fear i've heard of people um g- can we accidentally get the mark i, I don't think so no. um uh,
0: just to to touch on on that um in our church group chat i remember there was some discussion regarding the vaccine being being the mark mm-hmm. and and uh w- one of the um guys had had mentioned something at least i think it was in the conversation that um the bible doesn't say something about you know you know two thousand years from now, there's gonna be a man you know named Bill Gates, and he's gonna have this vaccine that comes out and you know it, that's not the way it works mm-hmm. like, it's not um so people immediately assume it's gonna be a microchip added through a vaccine into your hand and all that kind of stuff and I think there's we need to be very careful with how we approach that um, i I think we tend to then correct me if I'm wrong but I I feel as though you're almost putting your faith in yourself like no I'm going to avoid the vaccine because that way I don't you know that way I'm secure I'm safe you know type of thing but it's that's not what this passage is in reference to Mm -hmm. it's not not a vaccine it's not a needle or an injection that you're going to get that's going to cause you to lose your standing with God you know
1: yeah i I I guess what you're saying, if the Bible doesn't say, you know, about Bill Gates, yeah. we're not meant to, I don't think we're meant to understand the, a lot of the, a lot of prophecy until it happens, or maybe after it happens, we're like, oh, okay, yeah. that fits, you know, that makes sense, we're not meant to um, always be um, so focused on the prophecy and trying to find who the Mark, uh, who the Antichrist is and who the mark, that we kind of lose track, mm-hmm. and uh, what you said about I'm going to I'm going to preserve myself by avoiding everything that could be the mark, yeah. right? I, again, I, I think it's going to be clear, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to perse- persevere and you're going to be protected through the power of God, mm-hmm. and He will give you discernment. Whereas those outside of Christ will be deluded, right? They'll be yeah. deceived.
0: There's that whole thing I remember. Um, a lot of people said, oh, well, it's Obama. And before mm-hmm. that, it was Bush. And Bush, before that, mm. you know, it was Clinton. And it just... It's every, Amer- it's, it's every American president. I heard Tony yeah. Blair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, we can get so caught up in the, um, kind of like the the imagery of, of, you know, wicked men. And assuming that they are, they are the ones that are the Antichrist. But right. ultimately... Um, if you were against Christ, you were anti-Christ.
1: Yep. And so... <laughs>
2: I guess that's part of the problem of viewing Revelation like that. Like, obviously, Revelation has that imagery and stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a danger in focusing so much on what does this mean, what does this mean, what does this mm-hmm. mean, rather than the entirety of Revelation and the focus of Revelation and being the glory of the Lamb, right? And yeah,
1: so. exactly.
3: And if we if we read too much into it, like, I mean, even if you look at history uh, during the Second World War, um... Apparently, there were a lot of Christians that were saying that Hitler was the the antichrist mm-hmm. before the end of the world and when you look at a lot of things that were happening it it kind of makes sense where he was very benevolent for the German people initially then obviously he turned warmonger and and everything was going uh south for 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 europe and eventually western america as well or where the western uh hemisphere um but i mean it it goes to show that exactly that i mean if we if we're looking looking to find the Antichrist we will find the Antichrist in whichever being um, and, and so I would agree that we're not to not that we want to be like um, ignorant uh, of what the scripture says at the same time we're not looking under every uh, pillow right. and every rock to see if we can find the Antichrist because we're going to totally lose track of what the gospel says mm-hmm.
1: yeah First John says there are many Antichrists that have gone out into the world right so you can find one every day right yeah. Um and I think it I don't know if it's in your notes but I think it's important to point out that uh if if a Christian does get the vaccine it, it's not it's not like they've lo- lost their salvation or right um mm-hmm. or that we should treat them as second class or like how could you get the vaccine you know I thought you were a Christian or um that that that's not again that's I uh, that's outside the realm of scripture it's not um you know we don't have a section in the bible that talks about how to handle our health and with yeah. vaccines so yeah. um, I think there should be um, patience and grace in that in in love um, so people have different opinions on that and we should' we, we'll be okay with that
0: that's something actually I had a chance to talk to this one gentleman that i um, at a business that i I work with and he had I had asked him if he knew the gospel and if he was a Christian, if he was born again. We were talking about the gospel, and he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, and that's why I won't get the vaccine. I'm like, okay, well, will explain that a little bit, you know. And I said, he's like, well, you know, it's... And his understanding was closer to Mark of the Beast or, mm-hmm. or that if I trust in that, it shows that I, I don't have faith in Christ. I said, well, I wouldn't agree with that you know, God has granted us medical advances, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, everything comes through his sovereign hand, you know, nothing comes this way th- that he's not in control of, right, and so he's just like, oh yeah, you know, that that's a good point, and so, you know, for people like that, I, I, uh, I, I do get concerned that their, their whole focus is, like I said before, kind of trying to, and, and as you said before, lifting up every rock, looking for the antichrist, but looking for mark of the beast. You know, oh, you hear about you know people are able to pay with a chip in their hand, or people are doing this and that, and it's just it's concerning that it happens even to Christians. That, that, that yeah. that's the focus that they they have mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the gospel and then what you know the truth of the gospel, and that we can have our joy rooted in the gospel. All right. I think that's
2: really come to the end of our discussion there but in the in light of what we were just saying where and where our hope lies josh do you want to end us off with the gospel
1: yeah 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 so we've been talking about sin and that's that's the the problem that man has i mean god is holy and he created us for his glory uh, but sin is that we've evolved we've um uh, what's the word exalted ourselves we've served ourselves as Rowan says, um, worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator. Mm -hmm. We were designed to worship and serve Him, but we serve ourselves or we make idols and we worship them and um, God all along is saying, I I am your maker, I deserve your praise. Um, So His wrath um, justly sits on us because uh, we are condemned for our sin and we've turned away from Him um, and His Holiness. But he made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect sacrifice to take our punishment, that wrath that sits on us, to sit on him instead and uh, be our substitute. And it's only by faith um, and repentance and trusting in his finished work on the cross as payment for our sin and trusting in nothing else but only that, um, that we can be saved from God's wrath. So God's wrath sits on us. And God's love and mercy is shown in His Son, Jesus Christ, to take that wrath mm-hmm. off of us. It's a it's a beautiful thing.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, with that, um, it's been a pleasure having you on with us. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. We are uh, very excited for this. So.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: we'll definitely have to have you on again. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: maybe when uh, people send questions and oh, you forgot this, or, no, yeah. there's a hole yeah. in your logic we here. We typically don't get a lot of <laughs> feedback, okay. so.
2: But if any of you do are listening and do have feedback, please reach us on Instagram or Facebook at Gospel Enthusiasts. Or you can email us at gospelenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. Glad you said um, that. I forgot the email. Yeah, we for, we've actually <laughs> forgot even mentioning feedback for the last couple of weeks
0: or episodes.
2: So <laughs> maybe that's why it, you're not getting any. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, with,
0: yeah, with that, uh, um, God bless, and uh, we will catch you next time.